This is Dr. Kara Shepard, and you're listening to Goat Talk with the Goat Doc. Thanks for listening to Goat Talk with the Goat Doc. Um, lots of driving and farm calls this week. So, um, as I said in the last episode, I, as I was talking about enteric protozoans, I was like, hmm, we should talk about like the different kinds of fecal diagnostics that can be done. And I feel like I've I've probably touched on this in like my parasite series. Um, but not really gone into it in depth, so I'm going to go into it in more depth now. Um, while I am on my way back to my house for a quick hot second uh, between calls today. So, um, we're going to talk about poop, and we're going to talk about looking at poop. Um, if you are enjoying the podcast and you want to say hi on the internet you can find me at goatdoc.com you can shoot me an email at goatdoccara g-o-a-t-d-o-c-c-a-r-a at gmail.com you can find me on the instagram at goat underscore doc and that's really most of this internet stuff um i'm I feel like I miss the days of less internet and less doom scrolling. (laughs) So, um, yeah. I did make a TikTok for the farm, though. So if you're on the TikTok, I do find it really satisfying to make clips of the goats and put them to, like, 80s music. So I'm trying to get Devin on board with that, too. So you could find our farm at Flying Goat Farm. I'm pretty sure it's Flying Goat Farm on TikTok. Not much there right now, but uh, I should get better about that. Uh, if you are enjoying the podcast and you want to help people find the podcast on the internet, uh, one free and easy way you can do that is to uh, rate and review on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast player app of choice. And that helps the internet computer algorithm that uh, is our technological overlords <laughs> to uh, tell other people that they might also like the podcast based on their preferences and the things that they also rate and review on the internet. So if you would like to do that, that's awesome. Um, if you would like to go above and beyond like a small group of super awesome people likes to do and financially support the podcast, you can check out my Patreon, which is at patreon.com slash goat doc or on the website. I believe it is under the contact tab. I definitely need to update my website and I haven't done that for a while. Sorry. Um, but I think that's all the housekeeping stuff. I feel like I did that pretty quick, and that's good. And I'm going to get into talking about poop. This podcast is provided with the intent to educate and inform. It is not a substitute for professional medical advice or veterinary care provided by your primary vet. And I strongly encourage you to establish and maintain a current and valid VCPR, veterinarian-client-patient relationship with your local vet. Okay, poop. Um, and talk, So talking about, like, how do we evaluate uh, looking at poop, like a fecal 
checking a fecal sample. What does that even mean? What are we doing? What are we looking for? Why are we doing it? Um, As I said already, this is going to have some overlap with, like, the parasite uh, management and, uh, you know, all that stuff because this is an important part of parasite management. And it's an ongoing thing with your small ruminant species. Uh, Very few small ruminants, goats, sheep, uh, will, like, never have a fecal in their life or never, like, have their owner, I mean, I I say very few, Um, like, you should think about intestinal and gastrointestinal parasites in your sheep and goats um, because they can be a problem if you're not on top of it. Um, And how do you stay on top of it is with monitoring. And we can't... You can't monitor, like, I can't look at an animal, you know, from 10 feet away and be like, that animal has parasites or that animal doesn't have parasites. I cannot see them. I cannot see them, most of them, at tapeworms. Yes, you can definitely see tapeworms, tapeworm segments in the stool uh, when that happens. But the, and, you know, I think as I said in one of my parasite episodes, like, do how much do I care about tapeworms? I care about them because I think they're gross. Um, some people don't care about them, but whatever. Discussion for another time. All of this to say that you got to look at the poop and you got to look at it under a microscope. And there are a variety of different things um, when you're looking at the poop that you can be looking with and looking for. So I'm going to talk about two different types of fecal analysis, like the two main types. One is a quantitative fecal and one is a qualitative fecal. So that's like quantity over quality. Um, Or, well, I guess I shouldn't have said over. Quantity versus quality. Um, And what is the difference between those and which one should you do? Um, And then also I'll talk about a Behrman fecal and also I'll talk about Famacha. I think I I feel like that's a pretty good amount of stuff to talk about. And I will uh, try to keep it in like 30-ish minutes. Um, so the main talk, qualitative fecal um, is going to tell like the procedure for a qualitative fecal or a quantitative fecal is very similar. Both of these um, types of fecal analysis are looking for parasite ova, so worm eggs in the stool, because that is the way the intestinal parasite life cycle works. Mostly, like the worms hang out in the upper, well in the GI, in the stomach or the intestines, and then they lay their eggs, and then the eggs pass out in the fecal material. Fewer species of intestinal parasites, uh, like actual worms, come out in the fecal material. So um, that, unless there's like a really crazy high worm burden or, you know, something crazy, especially in small ruminants, you don't usually see worms in the poop. You got to get out your microscope and you got to get out your fecal float solution and you got to get out a slide or your McMaster slide and you got to look at the poop under a microscope because you're looking for those eggs and those eggs are microscopic. So a qualitative fecal means that I want to know if there are any parasite eggs at all. I want to, if there are eggs in that poop, I want to know about it. It's not going to tell me anything about like how many eggs there are because in that piece of poop that I am looking at, 
um, with this procedure, if there are eggs in that poop, I should capture them. So what does this procedure look like? This procedure takes uh, some poop um, and takes some fecal float solution and you mix it all up and then you put it in a centrifuge. And the centrifuge spins down so like all the junk in the poop, all, you know, like the digested stuff and plant bits and all the stuff. Um, and then, but the eggs are not as dense. So as like the fecal material itself. So the eggs should with this, uh, procedure stay more towards the top of the centrifuge stuff. And then because of the, like what fecal float solution is, it should, uh, the eggs should float to the top over a period of like 10 to 15 minutes. So little, that's a little bit more detail about this now. So what the, the part about this kind of uh, procedure, one of the things that's, that's important is the fecal float solution itself. So this is kind of like, um, talking about densities of things and which things float and which things sink. So fecal float solution, you can like make your own fecal float solution. Um, you can buy it by the gallon. Um, I think you can buy it probably like, you can probably buy it as like a, a dry material in a container and then it's like add this much water and mix it all up. But the point of the fecal float solution um, like if you make it, you can make, I think it's usually sugar. It's been a while since I've made my own. I gotta be honest. I got, I bought a gallon of it and it lasts quite a while. Um, cause I, I only do my own fecals for my own herd. It lasts a while. Um, you don't need very much of it at one time. So a little goes a long way. Um, but there's, uh, like recipes out there on the internet about, uh, how much like sugar, for example, do you have to add to how much water? And then you have to saturate that much sugar into that water. So that makes the water more dense, uh, so that those eggs are less dense than the water or at least like similarly dense. And that means that they float. So think about like if it was regular water and it was styrofoam, um, like styrofoam is less dense than water. So styrofoam floats. Um, if you have ever been, oh my God, I went to, for my birthday, Devin got me a float. Oh my God, I have to do this more again. It was amazing. If you've ever been to one of those, uh, like float tanks, is that what it's called? And there's also that movie from like the sixties called altered States, which I saw when I was in like high school, I think. Um, and, but it's a, it's a tank or stranger things. There's a good prop pop culture reference. Um, stranger things when 11 is in the tank, they get all the salt and they saturate the water in the tank. And then 11 goes in it and she can like go into this state of like sensory deprivation basically, because when you're in that nice warm water, that's saturated with salt, your body just floats because different than regular water, if you're in regular water, your body tends to sink a little bit depending on your own personal body density. 
Uh, but when there's so much salt in the water, you just float. So I went, like I said, Devin got me one of those for my birthday this spring and I went and it was amazing and 11 in Stranger Things. So like you just, you don't have to think about floating. Like when you were a kid and you took swim lessons and you had to learn how to like do the back float or whatever, you don't have to do anything with your body. The water just suspends you. So if you, if the, if the, the salt water tank, um, was this, that water solution in there is like your fecal float solution and you are a parasite egg. You will float to the top. I think it's hilarious that I just compared that to that. And I'm really excited about the stranger things reference. So, um, that's what fecal float solution is. It's more dense. So the eggs float to the top. The, um, so back to the qualitative fecal. So what that looks like, um, there are different little like prepared tubes you can get, um, that help you measure like the amount of poop and the amount of solution. It doesn't, it's, it doesn't matter too, too much. Um, when I learned how to do a qualitative fecal, um, when I was a veterinary assistant before vet school, we did them in house. We used little disposable plastic, um, like urine tubes, which is kind of like a little plastic test tube and we would put some poop in there so like a little you know like quarter size glob of poop and then we would add some fecal solution to that tube so fill it probably like two-thirds of the way up with fecal solution and then mix it all up so you're trying to break it up and free those eggs if they are stuck in the poop and then uh, you put it in the centrifuge for I don't remember how long we would spin them. Whatever. You put them in the centrifuge and they spin. And then, like I said, all the fecal material, the more dense digested food and whatever's in the poop um, goes to the bottom. And the eggs are less dense. So just by, like, nature of how centrifuging works, um, the eggs would be towards the top of that, like, sedimented stuff at the bottom of the centrifuge tube. Then, after it was done spinning, you would take it out of the centrifuge and put it in a little test tube rack and fill up the rest, that empty space in the top of the tube with some more fecal float solution. And then you fill it up to the point where like surface tension just has kind of a little dome over the top and then put a cover slip on it. Uh, so, you know, like a glass cover slip that you would uh, use to cover your, you know, cover your slide, whatever. Um, and then you let it sit. I, we would let them sit. I, I learned to let them sit for like 10 to 15 minutes. So what happens over that 10 to 15 minutes is then those eggs that are at the top of your sedimented centrifuged spun down poop and fecal solution, those eggs that are at the top are then less dense than the fecal solution so they want to go to the top of that tube where there is a cover slip waiting for them to stick then after 10 to 15 minutes you lift that cover slip off the eggs that are stuck to the cover slip also lift away with like a drop or two of the fecal solution and then you put it on a slide and you look under the microscope so basically that procedure catches all those eggs, like those eggs have nowhere else to go but up. Um, and they want to go up because of their density. And then they're stuck to the cover slip and then you can see them on the slide. So 
Um, that is a qualitative fecal. Like I said, if there are eggs in there, I'm going to catch them. What a qualitative fecal... So what a qualitative fecal tells me is if there are eggs. Like I just said, if they're there, we're going to catch them. Um, what it does not tell me is a quantitative assessment of how many there are, like, per gram of poop. And why is that important? Because, excuse me, because more parasites are going to be laying more eggs, right? So what we, well now we'll talk about a quantitative fecal. So a quantitative fecal, also called a McMaster's, tells, gives you a result of eggs per gram. And eggs per gram means how many eggs, parasite, ova are present per gram of feces. Uh, and when you do these, if there is more than one type of egg present, you need to count each separate type separately. So if there are roundworm eggs and there are strongyle type eggs, those are different assessments of eggs per gram. You don't just lump them all together. So maybe you have like 10 eggs per gram of roundworms and you have 500 eggs per gram of strongyles. And you can have varying numbers like that. It's very normal to have that. Um, so this procedure for this um, this type of fecal is a little bit different. You still need your fecal float solution, but for a different reason. Um, and ooh, God, now that I'm thinking about it, I no, I think I'm right. Like it, it's the, using the same or similar fecal float solution is probably totally fine. I guess. I'll talk about it in a minute why, like, it could be a little bit different, and that would probably be fine, but, um, yeah, the procedure is different. We are not trying to capture all of the eggs within that gram of feces. We are trying to get a uniform sample, a representative sample, and then be able to infer how many parasites are present based on how many eggs they are producing. This is an imperfect system. Uh, I will be the first to admit that, but unfortunately, it's all we got. Uh, yeah. Until someone invents a way to count the actual worms inside the actual GI, we're, we're looking for evidence of a high worm burden and going from there. So, what does a quantitative fecal look like, or a McMaster's? You need a special slide for this. So, the qualitative fecal regular old glass slide, regular old cover slip, and you're good to go. Uh, you have to have a way to count your eggs per gram, and you need this slide called a McMaster slide, or um, I have one that's like from a company called Examine. Um, the difference is it's a plastic slide and not a glass slide, and it was less expensive. Um, but these slides have printed on them. They're thick, so they're either like two pieces of glass or two pieces of plastic or plexiglass or whatever the heck mine's made out of. And on one of them is printed these little um, rectangle grids. So there's two squares printed on there, and each square is divided up into five or six long skinny rectangles. And then... Um, beneath those, those squares are printed on the top of the second layer and then beneath that layer there's a space and that is where you put your fecal solution for um, 
counting your eggs. So to prepare the sample for this fecal, you need your poop and you need um, your fecal solution. And I usually have like a little, my, my kit has like a little cup because this, this one matters more. Like how in the, in the qualitative fecal, I said, well, it doesn't really matter too, too much. Like measuring exactly how much poop and exactly how much fecal float solution, totally fine. Um, if it's a little bit off, this one matters more because you are trying to create a suspension of poop and fecal solution that is uniform and then you're going to apply some math at the end of this. So it has to be consistent. Um, you're looking for, oh God, I don't even, I don't even know. This is terrible. Um, I have a little cup that I prepare the poop sample in and it has two lines on it and you fill up your cup to the bottom line with your fecal solution and then you add poop until it gets to the second line. So that by doing that procedure the same way every time the company that made my slides is like this is how much solution you add, this is how much poop you add and then you create your suspension. So to create your suspension, I, um, like you just mix it around. You have, it's probably like, I don't know, 20 milliliters of fecal solution and then like a couple of grams of poop. And then you stir it all up. And I usually like, I have these like plastic tweezers that I use to grab the goat, um, goat berries, <laughs> um, goat poops and squish them because they're kind of a pain to, to break up and get them to suspend in that solution because just the way that goat poops are. Um, so grabbing them with some tweezers helps to break them up and then I stir it pretty aggressively and just get it all nice and mixed and blended together so you have a stew of goat poop and fecal suspension fecal float solution all mixed together. So then you don't have to wait for this to float. You actually probably don't want to wait for this to float. Uh, I like to take a piece of like four by four gauze and then put the gauze, like open, spread the gauze out a little bit and tuck it into that solution. And that helps act kind of like a filter to filter out the really big pieces of like plant material and things like that, which can be, um, just kind of get in the way of looking under the microscope. So I tuck that uh, piece of opened up gauze down in my little cup and then I take a pipette and I suck up uh, like a milliliter or two of that poop suspension that I just made. So again, that the idea behind that poop suspension is that I've taken that bit of fecal material and I've created this suspension where all the fecal material and any eggs within that fecal material are now roughly uniformly dispersed through the whole amount of uh, poop soup that I just made there. And then I'm sucking up a little bit of that so I have that representative sample. I've kind of like diluted it all out basically and made it so I can look at it on under the microscope. So then I take that poop suspension and uh, put load it onto my fecal counting slide. So I put it in the, there's just like these two spaces on the slide where there's a, a narrow gap between the two layers of the glass or plexiglass and you just fill that 
that narrow area with the suspension and then you look under the microscope so you have to um when you're looking under the microscope conveniently those long skinny rectangles that the squares are divided into roughly fits across one field like one i think it's a 10x field i think it's a 10x field on my microscope um and i can go you basically go up and down those grids and every time you see an egg you count it so then at the end of that you do that across those two grids and then you take that number at the end and you multiply it by another number and I think it's 25 but I always look it up because I can never remember and that tells you how many eggs per gram that that poop sample had in it. So like I said this is an imperfect system because we are taking that number of eggs per gram and inferring from that number how many like are, are there a lot of parasites and we're worried or there or are there not a lot of parasites and we're not worried i am never looking for a negative fecal on my small ruminant patients i am looking for a low number of eggs per gram a low number of eggs per gram tells me a couple of things one there's not a lot of parasites there two if there are parasites in the environment then this animal is doing a good job at keeping those parasites under control the immune system is killing them Uh, for whatever reason that animal is tolerating that environment well uh, if you go back to the, that parasite uh, overview and management series that I did a couple years ago, you will recall that uh, 20% of your animals are carrying 80% of your environment's parasite burden. So your fecal egg counts can look wildly different between animals in the same herd, under the same environmental conditions, uh, getting the same feed, all the same things, except this one animal over here looks great is fat is eating is happy poops are always normal has a low egg per gram fecal count and then this animal over here right next to it is thinner and doesn't look as good and you know maybe poops are a little bit clumpy and like whatever but it has more eggs per gram so those are just variations in like things that are like fundamental things about that animal and that animal's immune system for whatever reason they are better at killing and tolerating parasites than their friend is um so yeah fecal egg counts they're they're not perfect but they're what we got um fecal and I know I mentioned this in the parasite management episode but just to reiterate fecal egg counts are only as good as like how you use that knowledge and how you follow up on any treatment that you do so we can do what's called a fecal egg count reduction test um f-e fecal f-e-c-r-t um and what that looks like is taking doing that whole fecal procedure that i just said and then if that animal is above the threshold for deworming that animal is dewormed and then you have to do the whole fecal procedure again in 10 to 14 days so 
what you are checking for there is, okay, this is how many eggs we started with, and then we dewormed, and we killed, hopefully we killed some parasites, and then if we do a fecal reduction, you know, if we do that fecal again in 10 to 14 days, so give those those parasites some time to die, give that stuff some time to move through the GI, so all those eggs and stuff that were there have plenty of time to clear out, and then you check the poop again, you want to see fewer eggs, because, and then we are inferring that there are fewer sexually mature adult GI parasites to be laying those eggs. That is a fecal egg count reduction test. It is not doing a fecal and then deworming and not checking. It is not deworming and then doing a fecal and checking because it's a it's a two it's well technically it's a three-parter um you're not going to get the information the level of information that you want um without all of those parts the um i can't remember what there's something else i was going to say about that and now i totally can't remember what it was but um, other things to think about with using fecal floats. Um, I think in you know the ideal perfect world, every individual animal would get a fecal float for that individual animal. I'll be super honest and be like, I do not do that for my own animals. And I always have a discussion with my clients about whether they want to do that with their animals. I have some herds uh, that have hundreds of animals in them and it is not like financially reasonable or time wise reasonable or like like why uh, would we have my my big biotech herd has like 600 plus animals in it right now we're not going to send out 600 fecals that's crazy amount of fecals so, um, I mean, maybe someday with all the, like, image rec- recognition technology that's coming along now, maybe someday we'll have, like, machines that just do it and they can do it super fast. But at the moment, we don't have that. Um, so that's just not a reasonable thing. So there's a couple ways to... You got to think about what your sample... What are you sampling? Who are you sampling? And what are you doing with that information? So... Um, you want to think about like your your animals or your groups of animals, um, and this almost when you're talking about groups of animals, it almost gets easier uh, the more animals that you're talking about. Because then you're talking about like age cohorts, you're talking about different groups of animals that are housed maybe at different life stages and housed in physically different locations and. Um, you know, stuff like that. So you can have, if you're going to start talking about group samples, when you're picking up those group samples, you want to think about, are these animals all sharing a living space? Are they all in the same barn or the same pen? Or are they on the same pasture? And within those animals, are they all the same, um, like, are they all the same age? Because younger animals have had less time to be exposed to parasites, but also have less time to develop their immune system to fight off those parasites. Um, Looking at these animals and looking at their body condition score, are these animals all super fat and looking good and doing well? Or are these animals um, 
like skinnier and maybe not eating as enthusiastically as we would like and those kinds of things. So um, those are kind of ways you can look at your groups of animals and kind of break down between you know whose samples are you going to take how are you like are you going to pool them who's going to get pooled together how are you doing that all and then you also need to use that same information if you have a fecal egg count results that looks like you want to deworm that group of animals uh yeah so um having said all that Again, go back and listen to those uh, GI parasites. I think there was one episode that was just like on management, making a plan um, of how you're going to monitor for and manage the GI parasites in your flock or in your herd. Um, And I'm trying to not talk too much about that because I'm talking about diagnostics. So also something you can use... um, to kind of keep an eye on your animals is what we call the FAMANCHA uh, score. And this is what everybody likes to do and look at the eyelids, look at the mucosal surface of the inner eyelid of your animals and see is it white or is it pink, basically. Um, And that is kind of a, a quick and dirty, rough and ready way of looking and evaluating how many red blood cells does that animal have. If that animal is bright pink, bright red, they're, they're probably fine. Um, this applies across species. Things that look pale are either in shock or do not have enough red blood cells. Um, sheep and goats, you know, looking at their eyelids. People like to, like, talk about parasites and talk about FAMACHA and be like, oh, they're really pink, they don't have a parasite problem. And I know I talked about this in another episode, and I'm saying that a lot, but it bears repeating that FAMACHA is only useful for talking about Hemonchus, barber pole worm, um, because other GI parasites, other strongyle type parasites, so if you remember Hemonchus, barber pole is a strongyle type um, egg that you will see on a fecal float. Even, so Hemonchus, you can't tell the eggs apart, but Hemonchus is the slash and slash and burn uh, worm that lives in the abomasum, and uh, it just is very wasteful with its blood meal eating, um, and there's lots of like blood loss when those parasite counts, when the Hemonchus numbers get high. So other strongyle types, um, brown stomach worms, things like that, uh, don't have that same, they certainly can cause interference with that host animal's nutritional intake and cause GI signs, diarrhea, inappetence, those kinds of things, weight loss, but they do not cause blood loss in the same way Hemonchus does. So FAMANCHA is useful for like quick and dirty way of being like do I think this animal isn't keeping up with its blood loss because of a homonchus problem but is not useful for evaluating for other GI parasites so that is a kind of a diagnostic Um, and the best way to do that which I'm always like I'm gonna do it is to like keep track of it over time like it would be great if I really would love to be better about this is like once a month I should look at my herd and body condition score them and famancha them 
and just put that in my management software so I can just keep an eye on it and it's useful to have data just period um, I should be better about that um, last thing to talk about last poop diagnostic so Famacha isn't really looking at poop sorry that was a, a bit of an outlier for this uh, topic of conversation but uh, bears mentioning last uh, poop uh, poop diagnostic we can talk about is a Behrman fecal and a Behrman fecal is for lungworm so as I mentioned with the other two fecal examinations, uh, those are looking for ova, uh, eggs of those GI parasites. A Behrman fecal is actually looking for the larva, um, the actual worm of that parasite. And that just has to do with understanding the life cycle of lungworm and uh, how they are pooped out in a like larval worm stage. Uh, so those larval worm stages don't float. Uh, so you have to do a different procedure. A Behrman fecal has like a little, um, like a little funnel. Um, and you still, and I actually haven't done one of these for a really long time. I think I did some in vet school, but I don't have a setup for them. If I want to do a Behrman, I send it to the lab. Um, but instead of the eggs floating to the top, the larvae float to the bottom. So you have to take that poop sample and you have to do the thing of mixing it all up. And then you have, you put it in this funnel thing and then you just let the bottom little bit come out because those larvae should fall out of the suspension faster and they should be at the bottom. And then you take that bottom suspension sample and you look at it under a microscope and you see if you see larva um, and that's like like I said it's been a while I might be missing something there but that's the difference between a Behrman fecal and a qualitative or quantitative fecal as you're looking for the actual larval stage of the organism not the ova egg stage so those were the four things um, I think I kept it reasonably uh, under the time that I wanted to keep it and if you have any questions or comments or want to talk about poop you can find me on the internet and send me an email or find me on Instagram and uh, I think that's going to do it for the moment and I will talk to you guys next time